What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day everyone, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. You can follow us on Twitter, at Ethos Pelicans, at Lyle Swithenbank. Another off day in between game five and six, so we know what that means. It means we've got another guest, another fantastic guest. We are joined by the legendary, the the Larry, uh, the man who brought us Larry Nance. David Fisher, how you going, mate? Great to have you on here. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it, Lyle. Oh, I mean, we might as well dive straight in. Pelicans, playoffs. We weren't meant to be here, I say in quotation marks, but we are. We're in, heading into a, a do-or-die game six in the Smoothie King Centre, basically in, I don't know, 24 hours thereabouts, just short of. Um, mm-hmm. What's been your takeaways from the playoffs so far, and what are you hoping to see for this game six? Um, a lot of it's just that it's good for the front office and the coaching staff. Um, they just, they need to experience playoff basketball with this roster because that's the only way you're going to get the, the information you need about what guys you need to keep, what guys you probably, you might not want to keep. And then uh, the biggest thing is, is that what holes exist on the roster um, for specific matchups. I think we've seen, <clears throat> The biggest thing that's jumped out to me is the fact that this team needs a big defensive, a big who's defense, who's, who's more defensively minded. Um, Larry Nance, I think, showed his value, especially in the Clippers game. But the biggest thing that, that I'm seeing from the roster wise, and I hope that the Pelicans front office agrees with me, is they need a, a defensive big that can come off the bench um, to give you a, a much different look than what you have with Jonas. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. I think we've got Jonas who's very offensive-minded, gets caught a bit in that drop coverage occasionally. I think they exploited a little bit with the mid-range, particularly a speedy ball handler. 
Um, and we've seen with DeAndre Ayton in this as well with his little hook floater thing that he does. Um, it's been very effective. I think they looked at perhaps thinking that Jackson Hayes was going to turn into that. We've seen that materialise as he more of a really tall power forward, I guess, who's athletic and can get out and transition. I think we do need a bit of a change because even the other center that we have in Billy Hernan Gomez is sort of the Jonas light where he gets a lot of rebounds, but still probably a bit more offensively minded than, uh, than those quick athletic long centers, perhaps like a Robert Williams and guys, I don't think we'll be able to get Robert Williams, but you know, that sort of yeah. ilk. Um, game five, all of, I think the, the momentum has swung a bit towards us. So we feel that in the national media, they're all talking about us saying, Oh, you know, the Pelicans got the tails up game five. However, they sort of, adjusted and we knew it was going to happen but mm-hmm. probably not the effort and result obviously that we wanted uh what were your takeaways from game five in, in phoenix it felt like um if you've ever had um either a younger or an older brother um phoenix got out to that lead and they just kind of held the pelicans um at arm's length and the pelicans keep on swinging and they're swinging and swinging they just their arms aren't long enough they can't ever cut into the lead far enough to make it you know really uncomfortable for phoenix um and that that all just goes back to you know that it was an ugly disgusting first quarter the rest of the game they played reasonably well but i mean you dug yourself in a hole and you know, the, on on that night in Phoenix with, I mean, Phoenix was very emotionally invested in that game, I would say, much more than you would expect your typical one seed. Nine seed and was 10 games under 500. Like, clearly the Pelicans, I mean, if you just want to talk about what they've accomplished, they've definitely got underneath the Phoenix Suns skin. They have been felt and they have Phoenix's attention, but that that's what I felt watching that game was just Phoenix is just holding them at arm's length. There were some adjustments that the Pelicans made that I wasn't necessarily a fan of. Um, They started sending two to the ball a little bit more to try to get the ball out of Chris Paul's hands that got the Phoenix Suns role players involved that ended up with a lot of catch and shoot three opportunities that ended up with more layups and dunks than they'd been up than it been allowing previously and that's kind of been my take the whole time is put it all on chris paul's plate and tell him your 36 year old knees have to do this for all seven games yeah we're gonna pick you up full court (laughs) exactly (laughs) and as soon as you think that you might be wearing herb jones down then jose alvarado is going to come in with you know all the energy in the world and he's going to do the exact same thing and i i hope that the Pelicans get back to that a little bit because I think that that's, that's their best path um, to possible success. If you think of, we need to beat the Suns four times in seven games, the biggest, the biggest way that I look at to do that is you need to tax Chris Paul throughout it. it you look the last time the Phoenix Suns lost the series in, in the finals, that was, that was Milwaukee's game plan essentially. Yeah, and I think you can. I think that's what they should be looking at. Exactly the same thing, you know. Chris Paul's 36, 37 years old. We saw in the first quarter he was much more aggressive. I think in Game Five than he was in Game Four, and I think that was by design. It was I need to get my shots in now. I need to get the rhythm in, and then I can start creating for others because they're going to overreact to me. I think he was a bit more passive in Game Four where we threw bodies at him, 
and he had to sort of react. And instead of getting going in the fourth quarter to close the game, he was he was too tired by then, and and he was out you know, of gas. The, the momentum was completely behind uh, the Pelicans, obviously with the eighteen thousand odd people in, in the Smoothie King Center helped as well to to power him through. But I, I agree with that adjustment. I mean, what happened is it was a game for the other guys. We saw Mikael Bridges uh, drop thirty one points when he hasn't really impacted the series. Playoff career so, high, right there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, good time to do it. Yeah, cheers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's and, the other thing. I mean, just to kind of jump in on that yeah. is to to a degree, as Pelicans fans, uh, there are Phoenix Suns players that I am less inclined to give credit to, given how they play in a yeah. general sense. Um, but DeAndre Ayton is automatic in a range that NBA defenses are inclined to allow. You know, that's 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 a shot that. NBA defenses in general, they're going to concede that one because they say this is a, a lower value shot. You know, those that, that's a hard range to shoot in that like because it's not even like eight, like the old catch and shoot 18 footers that we used to see in pick and pops in the older NBA before it went all threes. He's shooting even closer and he's shooting in the like 10 to 16 range, which it's it's just a really nasty range to get the touch right. And then the other thing, like Mikhail Bridges, like not only was he incredible on offense, he played 47 of 48 minutes. And I mean, he had, he had CJ McCollum in hell the whole time. <laughs> like, so, I mean, credit to Phoenix. They, they looked like a team that was completely and totally engaged and locked in on the Pelicans. They're not looking forward to the next series or anything like that. When you're playing Mikhail Bridges, 47 of 48 minutes. Um, and they played really well. And sometimes, I mean, the Pelicans did play poorly, but some credit is due to Phoenix as well. Absolutely. I think they, they definitely uh, had to adjust. You know, they were playing the two ball handlers at times. They, Aaron Holiday cracked into the rotation, I think purely to just give Chris Paul a hand. You know, campaign was very good in the first quarter. Um, and then got himself in a bit of foul trouble, still closed the game. Um, and I thought he played a great game. I'm not a big fan of campaign overall, but I thought he played a good game and credit to him for, for doing that. Um, and Aaron Holiday came in and brought brought the hustle. And and I think that was a, a really, a bit of a masterstroke. I think we knew it was going to come. They, were, they talked about it. Monty Williams talked about it in his post games and the like that he needed to not rely on Chris as much. But, I didn't think it was going to work quite as well as it did. And, and it really was one of those games where the other guys stepped up. And, and like I said, like you said, you know, 47 minutes for Mikael Bridges is just ridiculous. He's still got at least one more game to play. So I hope he was in the ice, ice bath. And also when they're talking about rushing Devin Booker back from, from this hamstring, I don't think they're doing that at the, even after game three. I don't think they're saying, no, he's, he's shut down for the series. Do you think there's any credibility or is it all just sort of fluff at the moment that Devin Book is coming back from this hamstring? Because it looked pretty crook when he uh, when he did it. Um, it did. I mean, I mean, there was the the brief shot of him leaving the court um, where he's saying, you know, I'm back, I'm back. Um, and I think a part of that's just the fact that the Pelicans have got under the, the sun's skin here. Um, I think it's like if if I was in the front office of the Phoenix Suns, I would love the fact that he wants to come back. And I would also be approaching it kind of how the Pelicans are with Zion, not necessarily in terms of the fact we're going to sit you for the rest of the playoffs. But if, if the Phoenix Suns are going to do what they need to, 
if what if they're going to accomplish their goals this year in the playoffs, they need to be able to win this series and not continue to tax Devin Booker. That's that's what they need to be able to do. They need to be able to tell him, you know, your first game back is either going to be Saturday or Monday or whenever the first game of the second round starts. Um, we're not we're not forcing you back in, into this series because what if that goes sideways for them? Because if it goes sideways for them, and I mean, yeah, they they probably match up pretty well with whoever they're going to see in the second round. But if you're looking at you know, the Western Conference Finals against Golden State or Memphis. And if Booker's still out because he has, you know, made that injury even worse, like the Phoenix Suns goals are off the table. And when you're looking at one of your most important players is Chris Ball at 36 years old, every season is precious at this point. And are they really going to risk Devin Booker? and rushing him back. They said it was going to be a two to three week recovery. And now it's suddenly it's going to be one week recovery. That's I mean, they're, they're feeling it a little bit. There's a little lemon booty going on over there. It sounds like it. And I mean, I've done hamstrings throughout the journey and I've never seen it. Well, and I've watched professional athletes come back from them. We had Brandon Ingram, um, you know, do one earlier on in the, in the season. They said that was a mild sort of tightness. I mean, that was 11 games. So you're sitting there going, mm-hmm. well, Hang on, he's at, he's at, missed three. That's a fast turnaround. I don't know what yeah. what uh, magic recovery they're doing over there, but hamstrings are so fickle. And if you come back too early, you're doing another one. It, it's happening straight away, and you'll feel yeah. it'll, it'll it'll go away. So uh, it's a fine line for them. But then if they don't roll the dice and we take it to a game seven, well, they could <laughs> it's just all be for not anyways. <laughs> In Cancun, <laughs> we, you, you know, have a long summer to uh, to rest up. So it's a balancing act. Um, we're coming into, I suppose, a tenuous sort of game six, do or die. We've been in this situation-ish with the playing games. Do we expect a response tomorrow or, or do we think it's all said and done? I mean, I, I think they're going to respond, but. Uh, absolutely, I think they're going to respond. The Pelicans have have shown us all season long that they they will rise to the occasion when their backs against the wall. And I have that doesn't necessarily mean that I expect one hundred percent that they're going to win, but they're going to come out and they're going to compete. They're going to play hard. Um, I expect that we're going to get a better better game from CJ McCollum in front of the home crowd. Um, in front of the home crowd, hopefully we can get a better game from some of the role players. Uh, the biggest guy that I'm looking at is, can we get Trey Murphy some shots? And can he see that ball go through the hoop a little bit? Because once that happens, it's going to open up. It's going to open up space for all of the other big three for BI, for CJ and for Jonas um, to be able to operate. And that, that, I mean, that's been my biggest thing all season, essentially is still is just, I really trust Trey Murphy and what he brings to the roster. And I want to see, see more of him on the floor. So, um, but I I mean, it's going to be game six. We're on our end, at least I know for you, the time zone is completely different, but for us, we're finally getting a reasonable start time. Whereas for you, you're thinking about how early you got to wake up to catch it live, (laughs) but Hey, you'll be able to catch it live probably before you go into the office. There you go. Well, Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. (laughs) It starts before work. So I'm happy with that. Perfect. (laughs) So, I mean, so the crowd will be more awake. Um, there's not going to be any of those silly little delays because 
you know, the previous game is, is running over, things like that. The tip's going to be on time. And I think, I mean, the city's going to definitely rise to the occasion. And I, I fully expect the, the, the entire roster is going to as well. Um, if you were asking me for a prediction, I still think the Pelicans are going to win tomorrow. And then anything can happen in game seven. Absolutely anything. I mean, we, we'll post <laughs> if there is going to be a game seven, we'll just continually post that CJ McCollum um, Denver game seven repeatedly. Like we know what this guy's capable of. So um, I can't wait for it. And then, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Brandon Ingram yet. And we need Not. to talk about that man <laughs> because he has been incredible all playoffs and it's his very first trip here. Um, he's clearly dinged up in multiple ways. He's, tweaked an ankle um he had a really nasty fall on his back um he had he jammed up a couple fingers and he's not even on the injury report willie green said he's gonna be fine uh brandon ingram post game said it's gonna be fine i'm gonna treat and i'm gonna show up so i mean as a fan you love to see that and i I fully expect he's gonna deliver like he's delivered every single game um, and it's all been on him. He's, he's, he's seen every kind of coverage that Phoenix can throw at him. He's put Jay Crowder into foul trouble, you know, the last two or three games straight. Um, Jay Crowder just can't, can't defend him without fouling um, all the help defense. So I, I can't wait because Brandon Ingram, the, the sense I get from him, he understands that like this is the beginning of his real legacy as an NBA player. And man, he's writing a storybook so far. <laughs> Honestly, Brandon Ingram, and that was perfect segue into him because that was actually where I was going next. And he has um, Brandon Ingram. Gosh, I mean, we've seen his growth throughout the last few years. And then to do it on the biggest stage and you're seeing people sit up and watch and say, hang on, this guy's really pretty pretty good. You know, he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's an absolute jet. And the way he handles himself on on the court, off the court, has just been exemplary I thought he's stepped up in his leadership this year and then to come into the playoffs where he knows it's on his shoulders he knows he's got to put this team on his back um CJ is definitely saying you're the guy and I think he recognizes he has to be and everyone's instilling confidence in Brandon and all we've seen is him go from really really good to elite and um yes uh, I'm loving it honestly and to see the bloke that fall on his tailbone that looked horrible I was like, and he just bounced up. He's like, oh, I've got to go shoot some free throws now. You know, yep. <laughs> that mentality, I think, is just unmatched, especially I think he's the best player in this series, whether Devin Booker was yes. playing or not. And um, mm-hmm. he uh, he is just, he's been great. Um, what do we need to see from him? We need to see more, I suppose. Another one. We need another uh, Brandon Ingram game. Yeah, we just, we, we just need another game like that. Um, and for me, it's just... I, the thing that we've seen, the biggest thing that I've seen from Brandon Ingram that we didn't see, you know, early in the year or previous seasons is his ability to get to his own spots and to get his own shots. And he doesn't let, he doesn't let the defense speed him up. He doesn't let the defense dictate. He is always dictating to the defense. He is, if the defense is giving him something, He's going to make it a better something. And then he's going to, you know, create that for the, for the players around him. He's become a substantially better creator for others. Um, he just, it's simple stuff. Like 
there's one extra dribble and one step in and he moves that defender just enough and his momentum's off. And so now he can kick the pass. And, you know, that's the difference between a wide open three and a tightly contested attempt that somebody doesn't get the ball off at all because, you know, the defender's there. It, it, there's just so much of those little things that he's doing. And then he's just automatic. He's just shooting over guys like they're not there. Like Jay Crowder's right in his face. Doesn't matter. To, to Brandon Ingram, he's just pulling up for another 16-footer in the practice gym. Somebody's like swinging a boxing glove or whatever. They're like one of those big old foam noodles that they do. And it's just like, there's nobody there. He's shooting right over him. He's shooting right over Mikael Bridges. Um, gosh, the few times that they've switched Chris Paul onto him, it's, it's, it's like immediately, that guy's food. Yeah, you see his eyes light up. <laughs> yes. He's laughing so, at him. So, I mean... Brandon Ingram coming into this season, most people were thinking like, I don't know, he's like a top 30, top 40 player. And I mean, we were talking in, you know, the bird calls chat. We were like, is Brandon Ingram a top 20 player in the NBA right now? Cause I'm watching him play and I'm, I'm watching some of the other playoff games. I'm like, he, he, he's playing better than James Harden right now. He's, yeah. he's playing, he's playing better than Kyrie Irving right now. And he's given Durant <laughs> in that series. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so he's, he's delivering with, you know, the weight of the franchise on his shoulders. Like CJ definitely is, is there and he's helping and from, from a leadership perspective and things like that. But at the same time, whenever you listen to CJ talk about it, Brandon Ingram's the man, everyone in that, everyone in that locker room is 100% on board with that. There's, there's no question. There's no dissension in it. Brandon Ingram's the man. We need a bucket. Who are we going to? Brandon Ingram. Yeah. So, and that, that, that kind of development and improvement from him it is just a joy to see, especially as young as he is. He's not even 25 years old yet. Like he's been in the league so long that it feels like he's old, but he's not, he's, he's just entering his prime and he's averaging 30 points a game in the playoffs on absurd efficiency. In his first trip. I mean, people say yes. like, I mean, I saw the stats come up and he's like the sixth most points scored by a player in their first um, playoff series. I mean, come on. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just, he's, he's next level. And, and like you said, I mean, he, I think Larry Nance said it the best. He was like, it's not because you can defend him. It's because he misses. If he misses a shot, it's because he's mistimed it or he's, or he's released it wrong. It's not because anything that the defender in front of them has done. Because um, he, he leaps up, he's so tall and his reach and his arm length, I suppose his release of his shot is so high that, mm -hmm. I mean, you could just about slap him. Well, people have slapped him in the face and he's still making the shot. It doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, so, I mean, the stat you were bringing up, it was, you know, the first guys to average, I don't know, like 25, five and five or yeah. something like that in their first playoff trip. And when the, when the list of players is Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, who was incredible, especially, you know, the first time he went to the playoffs, yeah. let's, let's, let's not diminish what he did the first time he went. Absolutely. And then Brandon Ingram, that that's a list you want to be on. Congratulations. There you go. <laughs> that's a pretty good names. I tell you what, um, Speaking of Larry Nance, as I mentioned him. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, one of the great photos of this season has been <laughs> you standing alongside him holding his jersey. The interaction there, I was sitting there going, that is awesome. Can you just 
detail how this Larry Nance agenda has come about and then how you've managed to him to then come and also know that you've been petitioning for him to come for a long time. Can you talk us through that? Well, I mean, so, goodness, two, three years ago, it was it was after the Pelicans had drafted Zion. And, I mean, we went through Derek Favors and then Stephen Adams. But even when Derek Favors was there, I was like, look, the Pelicans need a, a big man who gives them the option to go small, but they don't lose, you know, everything going small. So the Pelicans need a small ball five center. And you look around at the league and you look at the contracts that might be movable. Um, Larry Nance at the time was in Cleveland. And I was like, that's the guy they need to trade for. And I, I'd, I'd loved Larry Nance, even when he was coming out of Wyoming, I, I'd written about, Hey, the Pelicans should draft him if he's going to be, you know, available when their second round pick came up. And he, he wasn't because he went earlier, but um, <laughs> from the get go. Um, so I would tweet, you know, about, hey, what about this trade scenario to get Larry Nance? What about that trade scenario? And one of the guys who um, used to write for the site, Justin, he sends me this meme, the Cookie Monster meme, right? <laughs> um, and I thought it was hilarious. So I downloaded it. And, you know, occasionally, whenever I would tweet another, you know, trade scenario, getting Larry Nance here, I'd just include the picture. Apparently, Somebody in Cleveland. Now, I'm originally from Ohio, so it might be somebody that I know or something. Um, somebody from Cleveland pointed this out to Larry, unbeknownst to me. And so, if, you know, the the Pelicans make the 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 TPE with the Jonas trade, and I'm like, well, Larry Nance will fit in there. And then they start talking about trading with Portland, and I'm like, well, Larry Nance will fit in the TPE. And then the trade finally gets announced the, the morning of the trade, right? And it gets it, it it the details are beginning to trickle out. You know, the pieces that are involved, yeah. and Larry Nance was not one of the early pieces. And it was funny they they that that morning, you know, we're chatting about it, and Ollie, who has connections inside inside the front office. Um, he's like, you know, these are the pieces that we know about so far. And Larry wasn't in there. And I was like, the TPE is still there. Larry fits, Larry fits. And it's just I keep on like, it's going to be Larry. Come on, man. It's got to be Larry. <laughs> um, and then he gets announced into it. And <clears throat> for a while there, there was some concern that maybe they were getting him, but he was going to be moved. Like he wasn't a, a, a mainstay because of the knee surgery coming up, et cetera. Um, he has knee surgery. He's finally getting back into the lineup and I'm just all excited about it right on Twitter. And he literally, he just tweets back to me, Hey man, DM me about, about this. And I, you know, cause he's going to give me tickets. And I was like, wow, that's wild. And his first thing is like, man, I've known about this meme for like two years. <laughs> like, There's no freaking way, man. There's <laughs> just no, cause I think I'm just tweeting into like the oblivion of Twitter and like a very small, like the Pelican sphere. Mm. And supposedly he's getting it when he was in Cleveland before he ended up in Portland. Um, and, and when I went to, I mean, he gave us, he gave me great seats, um, backstage passes, essentially. Um, and he comes out and he and I talked for maybe like five minutes, uh, if that. And, he, and I was like, look, man, ever, ever since we got Zion here, I was like, the Pelicans need a small ball five and you're the guy. They need a guy who can defend. I mean, we've already seen the shot blocking. Um, he can bring the ball up some. Yeah. He can switch onto the perimeter. 
Um, I mean, yeah, Chris Paul's kind of ate him up in terms of he's making baskets over him, but Larry Nance is still doing his job. I mean, he's there. His hands are up. I mean, at some point, you play good defense, you challenge the shot, and if he makes it over it, hey, it was better offense than your defense. Yeah. That that happens. That's basketball, right? Um, but it was it was it was great to talk to him. He was incredibly gracious about it. I tried to not be a creep about it. <laughs> that was my biggest concern. I'm like, man, I'm 40 years old here talking about this guy. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like he's he's just he's he's very immersed in like internet culture, so he kind of yeah. gets it. Yeah. He, he very much gets it more so than some of the a, mm. a lot of the Pelicans before. Um, and I was just like, look, man, I'm just, I'm so happy you're here. Um, and the biggest thing he said, and we've heard it from CJ, um, since in interviews and stuff like that is the guys who are here really love to be in new Orleans. Hmm. Like the, the, the narrative around the organization, how it's portrayed nationally is inaccurate because the guys inside the locker room love it here. Like they absolutely love it here. And that, a lot of that's just a credit to Willie Green and the culture he's established. But yeah, I was just so happy he came here. And then like, cause I wasn't seeking, I wasn't reaching out and asking for yeah. anything. I was just so happy he was here. And then he's like, hey, you want tickets and a jersey? I'm like, man, that's amazing. But I'm just happy you're just suiting yeah. up for the team. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's pretty awesome that, you know, like you said, he is very in, in uh, ingrained in the internet culture and you can see he loves shares memes and gets involved with it all and <laughs> hypes it up and even to the point where what was it herb said that he wasn't allowed to share anymore officer herb a little memes. too much <laughs> yeah. um, but so, there know, he was after game four yeah oh man um he was and he's been fantastic for us i think he's really came in and contributed uh, he's done exactly what we've asked him to do mm-hmm. yeah there was that oh, they switched on to him a few times and chris paul when he was cooking but honestly, there was not much he could more he could have done. He was out there guarding a guy who was absolutely flaming from outside, and yeah, <laughs> you know, and he defended defended as well as he could. Uh, I mean, this yeah. guy was making tough shots, um, and I mean, I think the culture as well. He's he's very well spoken, very uh, knowledgeable of the game, and that's something that comes through when they do the interviews with him. Is uh, he get, gives great great answers. You know, he, he mm-hmm. sits there and he will actually analyze what's happened. He'll think about the question and deliver something that you're like, that's quite profound. I quite like that. You know, like it was yes. everything he says is is very um, well considered. And I really like that as um, as a fan, being able to watch that and him say, well, okay, so when I speak to Brandon Ingram, I say X, Y, Z, you need to go here and do that. And, but also I big him up and you're the best player on the court. And anyone else uh, that's saying that he isn't, is wrong basically essentially hmm. he, the way he holds himself i think and as a professional as a guy that's been around the league for a long time or for a long time for a while um i think it's been really good for our locker room i think cj's been that as well and having that trade at the at that time right before the all-star break i think really uh i suppose launched us into another phase of okay so we're not just the underdogs anymore we've now got the professionals who have been there who have a seasoned veterans who can now teach our guys to say you've got the fight you've got the mentality you've got the confidence you've got the culture now we've got to get that that winning and guys that have yeah. been winners and have been in that winning situation i think that's that's been key for us have, have you noticed that shift i suppose heading into this um 
the post all-star break, I suppose, has been the, the yeah. really big shift. You think you're going to another gear? Oh, absolutely. Um, and this has been kind of one of the drums I've been beating. I mean, the Pelicans have been a top 10 team on both ends, offense and defense, since February 1st. And that's not some tiny, you know, sample size. It's, it's 32 regular season games. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you mentioned – you know, the Pelicans had heart and they had try hard and they had, you know, a lot of elements you need. And CJ and Larry um, and Jonas as well, um, they're bringing more of the attention to detail and the execution and the stuff that, you know, vets get. And finally, I mean, the, the, the front office has been searching for the right vets, right? They've been yeah. searching for vets that can, you know, teach these guys how to be NBA professionals and how to win games on the court. And I mean, there were some swings and misses there because when you get vets that, you know, don't fit or, you know, are on the wrong side of their career where they're no longer, you know, positive producers, it's, it's harder as young guys to, to really listen to that guy as much um it's different when you know two of those guys are your starters and they can give you 20 points on every any night and you know larry nance is out there you know busting his ass on both ends um and and chipping in in you know in all the categories he's not he's not just a specialist doing you know that's just one thing he's you know he's blocking shots he's getting offensive rebounds he's you know, there at the end of the regular season in the play, and he's knocking down a couple three-pointers, like timely shots. And like they finally kind of landed on the right mix. And the team has definitely leveled up. I think Brandon Ingram himself um, had definitely leveled up um, just out of the all-star break. Um, he, he's, he's been a better player, um, you know, Whatever, whatever they had when they went to when they went to that dinner in Phoenix before the first game, like bottle that, <laughs> make it again. I mean, CJ's got his own winery. Let's let's go. So, yeah, get him up there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. I mean, CJ's never. I mean, Bi's really never had that that vet on the team that that knows how to lead and explain offensively in a way that kind of interlocks with Brandon Ingram's game. Like Drew Holiday's offensive game isn't anything like Brandon Ingram's game. CJ's offensive game, there's a lot of similarities to to where they're going to operate, how they're going to operate, how they're going to get their shots. Um, When they're really cooking, it's a lot of one, two, three dribbles into your shot. Um, a lot of mid-range stuff, not, you know, there's not a whole lot of overwhelming guys with athleticism between either of them. It's a lot of craft. And so when you get a guy who's kind of on the same wavelength, you know, they can just vibe about basketball when they, when they talk about, you know, what good basketball is like, you know, for them, you know, the way they play the game, it makes sense. Like, what was LeBron James really going to teach Brandon Ingram when Brandon Ingram was, was, was a kid with the Lakers and LeBron James is just like, well, you know what I do is I just freaking overwhelm them because I'm faster. I can jump higher. I'm stronger. Like none of that's applicable to Brandon Ingram. Like 
I can't do those things, except for the fact that I have super duper long arms. Well, CJ can talk about all the craft that he's doing footwork wise to get to his spots in the mid range. And then Brandon Ingram can use that and just apply the fact that I have ungodly long arms and a high release that nobody can touch. And you apply that and then you get what we've seen, you know, the last two months and in the playoffs where he's just shooting over guys like they're not there because, you know, he's in the zone, but also he's getting, he's getting to those spots. He's under control. And that's, I mean, that's something he was building towards, but I mean, yeah, CJ might have a little bit of uh, credit to be sprinkled on there too, because CJ's game really, you know, meshes with that. And there could be a lot of, you know, um goodness the the analogy is escaping me but like forgery sometimes is the best is the is the best credit right mm. there you know there's there there's there's no shame in copying something that somebody else is doing that's working in the ba- in the game of basketball and Absolutely. and 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 you see a lot of that with what brandon ingram's doing um compared to you know cj's game absolutely and i suppose uh, they also comment that you know they're both students of the game they love watching film always talking to one another about how to we could do xyz or we could do y defend this guy this way score this way and like you touched on i mean it is you can see they run the same plays for for cj and brandon to get them to that spot that little um baseline turnaround which is just mm-hmm. when brandon gets going there you're like nah it's over start jogging back on defense we already <laughs> he's already done it but the thing is is that like like me as a fan is like, oh, that's over. Like, that's a bucket. But like when you're watching it, like, and you try to get impartial for a moment, like, mm. my goodness, that is hard. Like over NBA contest, you know, fading away, 18 feet away, barely yeah. getting a glimpse of the rim. And it's just, it's just automatic. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's many blokes even in the NBA that could do it. I, I really, I, I think we've got a very, very special player there and um, hopefully he can lead us to this game six victory and then hopefully a game seven victory. Uh, David, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank Where can you we for find having you? me, Lyle. You got anything to plug that you'd like to shout out to everyone? Um, well, uh, most of the stuff that I'm working on is more like postseason stuff. Um, when the C- Pelican season eventually ends, my hope is, is that that stuff doesn't publish for two to three weeks. Um, but I mean, the beautiful thing about where we are as Pelicans fans is the NBA lotteries, you know, less than three weeks away. Guess how many NBA teams also have lottery balls out there? Just the Pelicans. Yeah. All the rest of the playoff teams, like the, the lottery doesn't matter. That's just something else the bad teams do. But the Pelicans are like, you know what? We could still land a top four pick here. Yeah. Thanks to the Lakers being terrible. So. <laughs> Um, um, I, I've got stuff that I'm working on just in terms of, you know, who I'd like the Pelicans to draft and, um, the, the rest of the guys at the site. Um, and then whenever the Pelican season ends, or, you know, if they're successful, um, in upsetting Phoenix, we'll definitely have, um, you know, the bird calls will have more episodes, hopefully this weekend hopefully positive episodes. Um, it's actually, it's going to be positive either way, because I mean, even if we get, you know, Pelicans aren't supposed to be here and we, we still need to celebrate. (laughs) They, uh, we, we still need to celebrate the fact that the Pelicans have had a roundly successful season 
And we're going to do that. And then we're going to start talking about, you know, this, the same things we kind of, that, that I opened with uh, on this podcast, which is, you know, that what things have we identified that the Pelicans need if they want to be a team that can go farther in the playoffs. Um, but I'm not going to rule anything out right now because my hope is, is that, you know, we get a W tomorrow and then we can talk about game seven and then, you know, anything can happen in the game seven. And I'm not going to put it past Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas not to get a W in, in Phoenix because they've already done it before. Yeah, with you 100%. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see how it all plays out. And um, at the end of the day, you know, we've got this season, but we're set up for so much success into the future as well. And I think yes, it's a sir. really exciting time to be a Pelicans fan. Uh, David, thank you so much for your time. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you, Lyle. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So thanks again to David for joining us, guys. Go and follow him over at the Bird Rights and Bird Calls. Plenty of stuff going on over there. They are right on the pulse with all things Pelicans, so check all that out. And, uh, yeah, it's great to chat to people. Heading into Game 6, as we know, it is a do-or-die, backs-against-the-wall-you've-got-to-fight moment. We worked so hard all year, and uh, let's keep this season going with another win in the Smoothie King Center. Make sure you're down there. Earlier tip-off, so no excuse. Get down there and have fun and go Pels. I'm going to leave it at that. As always, this is the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. Thanks again to David for joining us. Look after yourselves and bye for now. (laughs) 